We'd like to welcome you to the Heart Leader Podcast, where heart and mind align. I'm your host, Amber, and I'm here with co-host Austin, and we'd like to know, do you have a passion to make a greater global impact? Are you ready to embrace leading with heart and love? If so, join us on this journey to become heart leaders who change the world. Each episode brings heart-centered connection, building stronger relationships, communities, and businesses. Let's take a deeper dive into what it means to be heart leaders. The Heart Leader Podcast starts now. Hi, and welcome to the Heart Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Amber, and I am joined today by Pastor Michael Poole. This amazing man has done so much to help the world. And I get the honor of not only having him as a close and dear friend, and we go way back. I mean, don't want to reveal our age, but I mean, we go way back. Um, And he has started an amazing organization with his wife, Tracy, called Earth and Cup. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But we're also going to dive into everything that Michael has done to give back to our world and to really talk about how authenticity plays into all that he has done. So I'm going to bring you into this conversation. Michael, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. I love you so much. And I'm so glad that we get to introduce you to everyone. Oh, it's good to be here. And it's good to see you. And um, bring the snow from Ohio and uh, all that's enough. You can keep yeah. all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So just to kick it off, I mentioned Earth and Cup. Yeah. I would love an opportunity to just start by talking a little bit about that organization because it is something that has such a heartfelt meaning and is leading you in amazing and interesting paths through this whole COVID journey. So let's start there. Let's just start talking about that. Yeah. So about um, 10, 15 years ago, um, my wife, Tracy, and I were looking, we were really looking at um, starting an intentional missional community and um, where people would live or be tangential to a group of people that were out in the world, making the world a better place. And we had actually, it looked like we were going to be able to have a residential missional community in Mississippi. And um, that kind of, for a number of reasons, didn't happen. And uh, people just said, oh, you just need to, you just need to go do something. So we said, okay. So um, we thought about what we'd like to do. We both have movement in our past, yoga, um, Tracy has yoga and I had karate and Tai Chi and Qigong. And so we developed this um, kind of community that uses movement as the entry point to a holistic approach to healing, wholeness, uh, and transformation. And we work with individuals. We work with small groups. We work with um, organizations. We also have worked with um, uh, the business world as well. And so it's just um, because we know our body holds everything that, that we do, holds everything that we are. And 
so to allow our bodies to be the entry point to um, yeah to just to just making a difference in our lives, making a difference in where we live in our neighborhoods, and then ultimately making a difference in the world. And that is such a meaningful mission for us because it's very similar to the Suivera approach. Right. And so to be able to connect and share that mission is amazing. But I know when we met, that was many moons ago, it was Mm -hmm. when you were a pastor at a church in Ironton, Mm -hmm. Ohio. Correct. And so many people would say, as a pastor at a church, where does all of this Eastern approach fit in? Yeah. And I know because I've been with you when this has happened. (laughs) Right. When this has all gone down. Right. And it's like, oh, well, how does this happen? Yeah. No, it's a good thing. We um, here in the West, especially um, amongst Christianity as well, um, there's this view that these other approaches to life are somehow contrary to um, to the Christian faith. And, um, you know, both Tracy and I are, are both pastors and, uh, you know, we've um, studied a lot, looked into it a lot. And we find, and even across, um, you know, religious traditions, for the vast majority of them, the core tenets and, and is all the same. I mean, eventually we're all striving for the same thing and it's just a different approach um, on how to get there. I tend to look at it as um, sometimes I'll describe it as climbing the mountain, right? You can start at a lot of different places around the mountain with a lot of different paths up the mountain, but we're all still kind of traveling towards the same direction. And I think that's true with, um, with these practices and with religion. We may start at different parts of the mountain, um, but yeah, we're, we're going up the mountain in a little different ways, but we find the similarities throughout. So whether it's, um, you know, yoga and, and the Hindu tradition or with Tai Chi and Qigong from the, the Chinese, you know, a Taoist or karate or a Buddhist um, tradition or, or anything, really, it's um, the tenets are really all the same. And you can really find the similarities of uh you know, uh, where they all intersect and connect. And so it's lifting that up more than um, the smaller amount of differences between them. So, but it can be an interesting conversation at times. It can be. And as you were saying, there's always something that connects all of them. And like you, and part of what we talk about all the time when we get together is how connected everything is. And the one thing that seems to flow through all of these things is love. There's always a foundation of of love and all of these different approaches to climbing that mountain. That's like the dirt that everybody walks on to get to the same top. But instead, we're all focused on talking about the different things we see on our path to create the separation. Right. Absolutely. Why do you think that is? Why are we so focused instead of focusing on the beautiful foundation that we're all walking on, that instead we're focusing on the fact that we have different views? Yeah. And I think some of it comes with um, just our own individual uncomfortabilities with being different. And, 
I mean, we see that in the world a lot. We, you know, we, we gravitate in circles and neighborhoods and everything with um, people that are similar. And so, um, yeah, I think we have this tendency to just um, steer away from the different. But for me, um, when I'm among those who are different from me, it helps define me as me more than me trying to define or accept or reject somebody else. Yeah, because I, I learn more about who I am when I'm with people who, who um, have different experiences, different views on life, different, um, just the differentness. So it's, it's embracing the differentness and learning to be more comfortable with, um, with things that are different. And so, yeah, we have this tendency to gravitate to point out the differences, which typically are uh, only a minute bit of the whole, which the whole is, you know, this similarity that focuses on love. Most of it is, it, it is, it's the ground that we walk on is this notion of, you know, love for ourselves, love for each other, love for the world, love for, you know, everybody we encounter, uh, you know, the animals. I mean, it's, it's just embracing that and um, yeah, focus, I, I, yeah, focusing on the dirt that we're all walking on that um, will help us get, get through all this and just be, learn to, to grow with being okay with, with different, I think. Yeah. So when you have someone who comes to you as a minister yeah. or as a pastor who is like, who's saying, I do feel that I would like to focus more on the love aspect, but I have no idea where to begin. I don't know how to shift out of all of these negative thoughts that I'm having about myself, about other people. What do you say to them? How do you counsel them mm. to even begin to start to embrace that connection? Right. Um, and I usually, and it's, we start with, uh, some would say you should start with an easy thing, but I, I typically don't. I, I say um, I like to start with just yourself, right? The struggle and the difficulty it is for us to love ourselves because we know everything, right? Beyond what the camera shows, we, we know it all. And so, you know, in, in, well, in our practices, we talk about the use of positive affirmations. It's, you know, making a concentrated effort to look up in the mirror every day or look in the camera on zoom or whatever platform we're using and seeing you and, and give yourself uh, positive affirmations and really steer away from, from negative language and begin with yourself. Just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, break myself down. I'm not going to use positive language or negative language about myself. I'm going to be uplifting. I'm going to, you know, take my, positive affirmation for the day. And I'm going to try to live it out as best as I can. And then at the end of the day, I let it go, regardless of whether I, you know, claim to succeed or fail in that. And then tomorrow will be a new day. So I usually start with people just saying, just look in the mirror or, you know, and, and just really kind of start to love yourself. And then once, once we kind of are able to develop language, uh, a, a love language, um, then we can use it with other people and um, you know, we can use it with the people that we trust the most. I mean, love is a vulnerable thing. 
Um, and so it, it's about building trust. And so, so now just, you know, how can you explore how to love somebody um, that, that's close to you and that you trust? And then you just continually take those circles out to, to love people that are different from you, um, love people that, that don't agree with you or trying to bring you harm. How can we, um, you know, love in the midst of the more difficult situations? Yeah, but it, I mean, it starts, you know, we talk, it starts with your own heart and loving your own heart and then moving out, you know, loving more and more hearts. Um, so yeah, it starts with ourselves because we can't, we don't feel it within ourselves, then the possibility for us to feel it somewhere else becomes diminished, I think. So it's like you have to be the pebble that you throw into the water to even get the ripple effect. Absolutely. And, and to just remember that everybody else is throwing their pebbles in too. And so to be mindful when, when the ripples mingle and to be okay with, hey, I, I see you're trying to love me. Kudos for that, you know? And uh, yeah, and then, you know, it's as, it's as simple as, um, you know, you, you go to the coffee shop and they put four pumps instead of five pumps. And you just, you know, just be okay with it. Just thank them for hey, they showed up to work today and you don't know where they're at in their life and just give them a smile and say thank you. And, you know, maybe that's what they needed to get them through the day. That's that's showing love. I mean, it, so often we think it's these big things, but it's just the every day, every breath encounters that we have with ourselves and with everybody else. Is our, yeah, as, our, as the ripples from our pebbles um, begin to intersect. Yeah. And when someone starts to run into challenges yeah. with that because that'll happen inevitably pretty quickly usually right yeah, yeah exactly it's not <laughs> the easy right. thing you know it sounds so simple i'll be the pebble i'll create my ripples and i'll honor the ripples from others right it sounds so simple in theory right but then right. you get out there and you start creating waves right and you're right. like ah right so yeah what do you do then yeah, yeah. You know, someone throws the boulder in the lake and it disturbs everybody's ripples. Yeah. And I think, you know, and this is where, you know, this notion of, of, of love and doing good and doing no harm really meets the road. And because it's when we meet the resistance of it all. And and times of my life, I've gone into the, um, you know, I'm going to be confrontive or I'm going to my love diminishes and I go into anger and hate. And, and it, and I think that it's realizing quicker and quicker when that begins to happen, when I can feel it inside my body that I'm getting angry. And, um, and then it's taking a moment and saying, you know, I just need to step back. I just need to step out of this situation. I, um, and it, and I, I just can't continue this conversation um, right now um, because I don't want to, I don't want to anger you. I don't want to upset you. And so I need to get in touch with where I am in this and, and give us a moment. I, we were talking about that. Um, I had a conversation uh, last week with somebody um, about a situation. I said, you know, it's, and they said, I just had to walk away. Well, that was probably the best thing before it gets, um, 
to throwing boulders in the lake instead of pebbles. Yeah. But it's just learning to notice in yourself when you're moving from one side of the spectrum to the other, and then just go take a breath, go take a break, go take a run. Do you find that some of the practices from the Eastern philosophies help you in taking those breaks or monitoring your emotions? Yeah. And if so, how? I mean, what are some of those? Right, right. And so, I mean, you know, in our practices, everything starts with the breath. So, um, well, in New York City, we were, some of the uh, participants we worked with were in homeless shelters. Um, And so I'd go in and I'd teach Tai Chi or yoga and we'd spend, you know, 30 minutes just breathing, really just allowing them to breathe, allowing them to release, allowing them to just kind of sit and be. So it all starts with the breath, really. I mean, and and we get that in all of our movement modalities and to really just teach people how to breathe. uh, You know, that whenever I start a new class or a new group, you know, and you know, people laugh at me. So I'll get my, um, my older, wiser people coming into class. So I've been breathing for 80 years. I was like, okay, but I know how to breathe. I know how to breathe. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, well, how about we check this out? Right? It's like, hold on. I've never felt well, right. Let's, um, so yeah. And it's about so walk in- us through a breath technique. Yeah. Breath technique. So, okay. Everybody kind of sit away from the back of your chair, right? You don't want to slump, get up, no gangster leans here, sit up. Right, you've had that golden thread lifting up to the crown of your head, right? And we're grounded to relax your shoulders. We're going to put our hands up in front of our in front of our bodies, right? Just a little bit out, right? We're going to do a technique called open and close. You're just going to open to about shoulder high, shoulder width, and then close to about uh, head width, right? So you're just going to breathe deep as you open, exhale as you close. Now think about yourself being a balloon. So you're not only breathing in one direction, but you breathe in all directions, close. So now open and close up. So breathe up and down. Breathe into the back, breathe into your back. Breathe up into the corners. One more open and close, right? So what we just did in 30 seconds or less was we lowered our blood pressure, we lowered our pulse rate, we were taking more oxygen in typically than what we were uh, taking in before. Um, When we get excited, we tend to hyperventilate upper chest breathe. So when we focus on abdominal breathing, more oxygen into the brain allows us to think clear, allows us um, to relax the tension in our shoulders, our neck, wherever we hold tension. So I, I'll use, and we'll talk about, we can do a body scan and just letting, uh, just breathe and just let tension go, work through your body. You can think about um, breathing in positive uh, images. You can think about releasing negative images, but just center it all on the breath. And it's just as easy as that. You can sit anywhere, 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 and, um, you know, really kind of just do your breath. To, and you don't have to move, but m- the visual moving for me uh, gets your, uh, tends to engage your uh, more of your body than just trying to sit there. Okay, I'm going to breathe like that. So try to engage. I noticed that as you move too, it opens your shoulders, which opens your chest, chest. which allows right. more airflow. Correct. Is, 
that part of Tai Chi? It is, right? So the Eastern, you know, in Tai Chi, we talk about, you know, you want this um, chest open. So you want your, you know, we, you lift your chest. In yoga, we talk about having, you know, heart-centered um, techniques and postures that open up the chest. You bring the shoulders back a little bit. Yeah, because it does give you more room for your lungs to expand and it gives you uh, more room for, you know, your body. So off, especially now, the last, especially the last two years when this is how we communicated, we're all like this, right? And we need to, we need to get back to sitting up straight and getting those, you know, getting not curving in, getting the, open the shoulders up, opening the chest out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just yeah. little simple things like that, that then it gives me a little different perspective on the situation as you and I may be having an intense conversation because we're not allowed to argue, but we can have intense conversations. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Us never. <laughs> I've never argued. Right, right, right. But I've had intense <laughs> conversations. Right. So, you know, when, when I start having an intense conversation, it's like, okay, I need to sit up. I need to open my chest. I need to breathe. I need to move out of my emotional being into my more uh, centered being. And yeah. Yeah. So no, during an intense conversation, intense it might conversation. not do you well to go like this because the we're especially may. like this. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So but, right. <laughs> you take it the wrong way. Yeah. 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 But sometimes, um, you know, there's all these breath techniques with where you just kind of work in your fingers or you're just breathing and you just, I'm just going to, just going to sit here and fold my hands and I'm going to breathe and I'm going to keep my, I'm going to breathe through my nose. I'm going to keep my mouth shut so that I'm keeping my mouth shut. And then, um, yeah. And I'll just kind of listen to what's going on. Yeah. yeah. What a great way to bring you into the present moment. So that you can listen to what somebody is saying. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and I think it is about, you know, it is about being present. And so, um, so we'll talk about, uh, so, okay, find your nice seated posture, right? Push stuff away from the table. So we're just going to do a four count movement. So you're going to bring your arms up, right? And then you're going to bring them in. And then you're going to push them out. And you're going to bring them down, right? So this is like a conversation. So you're going to be present in the moment. And I'm going to take in the totality of the conversation. And I'm going to realize that my responses have cosmic implications and that I'm going to care for the other as we continue this conversation. So that's how, so like if I'm doing, working with people, I'll give them movement techniques to think about these more practical techniques. So it's being present, absorbing the entire conversation, realizing there are cosmic implications and caring for the other, right? So yeah, so it is about being present in the moment right now and not, you know, when I got to go shopping in an hour or what happened a week ago. Yeah. yeah. Or even thinking ahead in the conversation, right? right. Like, right. oh my gosh, what am I going to say when I haven't right. even heard everything that right. this person has said to me? So I don't even know what I'm going to say because I haven't fully heard what they're saying. Right. Because they're not even finished and we're already making our response. Well, how can you respond to me? when you've already decided what you're going to say next. And we, we do that a lot. We will ask a question, not to hear what you have to say, it's to set up my response. And it's like, well, that's, that's, that's not really a dialogue. That's just, I'm just somebody you're going to talk at. Yeah. yeah. So having the movement yeah. along with the breath is yes. a physical indicator. It's a physical indicator, right. 
Yeah. So, so another one, right? So we do brush knee with a conversation. So there you go. You're going to just kind of hold your watermelon, right? We hold watermelons here in Ohio. I don't know what you hold in Arizona, but <laughs> grapefruit, grapefruit, right? <laughs> right? Well, that's a big, right. So you're going to hold your watermelon, and then you're going to bring it to you, and then you're going to turn your hand forward, and then you're going to push forward, right? So it's listen, right? Uh, take it all in. Now, after we've taken it all in, we get to form our response and then deliver our response, right? So I use that a lot in, in I'll do, I do workshops on having mindful conversations and I use this. And it's funny because then you'll come back and I'll, I'll be talking or I'll be saying something and people go like this. And I was like, oh, they want me to listen. So I know it's a visual to listen for, they're asking me to listen. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'll go, okay, I'm listening. Okay, I hear you. Yeah. So you can use these. So when you get a group of people that understand some of these movement concepts, you can, like, I just need you to listen to me. Okay, I'm listening. Yeah. It's amazing. And so as you are, and I know our theme for this month is all about authenticity and embracing your authentic self. Yeah. And so these are tools that you can utilize right. yourself to kind of go through things within yourself to clear out habits that you may be desiring to clear out. Right. Have, do you have others that you've used? Because given what you've done in your life, yeah. authenticity yeah. I know is key for you there ha yeah. there's a strength in you yeah. to move through the resistance and opposition you have and we'll dive into that here soon yeah but yeah tools it, it tools I mean it really and I think this gets back to you were asking about loving and you know I have to for me to be authentic to me I have to love my authentic self I have to love me who I am authentically and, and then, um, and then live authentic life um, and which there is the rub. So that means mean what you say and, and if, and if, and don't say what you don't mean or be you, you know, it's, um, you know, what do the kids say today? You know, you be you, or, you know, you do you, uh, but to be authentic, and to, um, you know, in a world, in a culture where we think we have to present some image of ourselves for acceptance. Um, I mean, the, the reality is, and you know, I get to define who I am and what I am and what I can do and can't do. And it is better if I present my authentic self than to present a false self and then uh, we've already set ourselves up for a broken relationship and, you know, work relationship or something. The greatest gift I, I, um, I interviewed for, this was years ago, way out, uh, pastor uh, gig, and someone that was part of the team that interviewed me. And then as I was leaving four and a half years later, um, she said to me, you know, 95% of what you said you were and who you were and what you could do and what you couldn't do, 95% um, of it was true. 
I percent was BS, but 95%. And she, and she says, um, I wish we'd had even been as close to authentic with you as you were to us. And so, I mean, I, that sticks with me that, I mean, being authentic to who we are really does serve us better in the end than trying to present some false presentation, you know? So, I mean, yeah, you, you asked me for a picture and I sent you a picture of me wearing a kilt because that is, you know, if, for those who know me, that is me. And, and it's, for a lot of reasons, but yeah, I mean, if I'm going to send you a picture, it'll be, yeah, of an authentic me. Um, yeah, and 95% yeah, yeah. is a pretty high percent. That means that you know who you are. Who I am. Right. You are so, absolutely. Right. And it comes with loving ourselves and, and knowing who I am. And, and as you were saying, and then it comes with letting go of the stuff I don't, I don't need to be authentic to. If it's not authentically me, then I just need to let it go. I don't, I don't have to hold on to that stuff. I don't have to hold on to anything, uh, you know, from, from anybody or anywhere that isn't authentic to who I am now. Maybe it was authentic to me back when I had hair, but it's not now, you know, but uh, yeah. And so I can, I, I'm free to let that go and to love who I am today um, and not be bound by any, anybody else's or even my own view of me from future past or, or whatever. Yeah. And it goes back to loving ourselves. Yeah. And then allowing each of us to be authentic. So I, I allow you to be authentically you. Yes. So it's wonderful to bring that up because oftentimes we want to be our authentic self, but then we want to change other people. <laughs> right. We think they should authentically be like me because look how good I am. Right. Yes. No. Right. And see, that's, yeah, and this goes back to being different. We want everybody, you know, we, uh, you know, we talk about unity, right? And um, but unity doesn't mean uniformity. Yes. Unity just means I'm going to authentically be me, and I enjoy sharing this spinning rock with someone who is authentic like you, and we are unified. We are in unity in that moment, cosmically, but it's. But it doesn't mean we have to be the same. That's boring. Well, I think of it like Baskin Robbins. I mean, <laughs> it's all minutes. ice cream, but how right. boring would it be if it right. was the same flavor all the way around? All the right, every, right, right. You know, it's, uh, we have a, a hamburger joint up the road here and uh, they also do ice cream and they have a flavor of the day. And our daughter's always, you know, well, what's the flavor of the day? Well, let's look it up. You know, because it's great. It's like if it's just the same thing we had last week, then don't bother. Yeah, yeah. but it, it, this is the trick. You're, you're right, Amber. It's, I mean, and we get to the point. This is back to our love connection. Um, I can love myself, but then I, then the next step is loving you for who you authentically are, and being okay that it may be very different from who I am, and being okay with that. That I don't have to change you or make you or criticize you or devalue you because of who you authentically are. But that's part of going up the mountain, right? It always gets a little more challenging the further up the you go. <laughs> right, right. And it's, and so, you know, the, the deeper we start to get into this work 
you know, the, the farther up the mountain we go, the harder it becomes. Um, and, and, but that means you're, so if it's getting harder, that means you're doing the right thing. That means keep plugging on um, because you're, it's, it's, if it was easy, then you might want to look at why it's so easy. Um, yeah, you want it to kind of be a growing edge all the way up. And it does. The higher up the mountain we go, the farther up we travel, the harder it's going to get. Because gravity, whatever the gravity of culture, whatever it is, is trying to pull us back down. And we just have to work against that. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I know when I met you, I knew that you were mm. who you were. And you were not going to change that to fit into anything. No. And that happened through a, what we called a mission trip, but ultimately you were doing something called tools for schools right. in Ironton, Ohio. And this was one of many things that you did, but it was definitely not easy. And mm -hmm. we did things in the heat of a crazy summer. Passed out we water to people in like 120 degree temperature, Amber. We were with humidity. Yeah, oh, some people almost passed out I from passing so. out water. <laughs> right. So talk a little bit about how you organized a lot of these different events where people from all over the place came to assist because there was such a need. Yeah, and I think it's tapping into this and. and you, you know, so, I mean, the Christmas project, I mean, they still do two schools now and it's bigger. I mean, it's a prior to COVID was like this downtown festival with bouncy. I mean, so what it became even after I was gone, you know, it's and same thing with our Christmas program was Christmas with dignity. And I think that was it. It was about doing um, doing the right thing. But. Out of love, not out of guilt or out of a desire to gain something ourselves. It was out, out of love and showing dignity to somebody who just needed to drink a water today. And we can do that in multiple ways. Some of them give dignity in the ways we do it. Many don't. And so, you know, when, you know, we got down, I got down to Ironton and we, we had kind of a back to school event. I, Lawrence County, Ohio is of the 88 counties in Ohio, the 88th county as far as poverty. I mean, it's the um, highest poverty rate in Ohio. And, um, you know, so back to school, people, I mean, you know, two and three kids don't have disposable income to go buy hundreds of dollars of school supplies or clothes or something. So we started to, you know, help them out because it's the right thing to do. Um, and so, and we organized people, eventually it was from all over, like, I don't know, four state area or something like that. Um, but we did it in a, in a dignified way. So, you know, it was hot, but we fed everybody. We gave everybody water. We, we allowed them to, the kids to choose the backpacks instead of just coming through a line and handing them something. And I mean, same thing with Christmas. We, we allowed choices and we gave, we, we did everything with a means of dignity, which, which is showing love, um, um, not trying to take somebody's dignity away. And people realize that people feel that 
that you really do care and that we are in this together. And yeah, it's just approaching anything we do. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have to diminish anybody's dignity. There, that's, that's, you know, and so out of love, I have the ability to help you in this moment, allow me to help you, and I'm going to do it in a dignified way. Because maybe down the road, maybe you or some, I'm going to be the one that needs assistance. And you or karma brings us to a point where someone shows me dignity when I, when I was in need. And uh, yeah, and I, you know, we talk, we talk about karma. We, you, there is some sense of reaping what you sow and we throw out positive to the world, you know, we eventually get it back. At least that's, you know, that's what I say, I think. But yeah, and it was about doing things in a dignified way and, and, the, and the people we were walking with um, could tell we cared and, and we, we really did want to help them and, and to, to walk with them instead of throwing things at them. You know, we, it really was a walking with. Um, and I, I think that's the way we approach life. We, we, you know, we just need to walk with people and care and love them and enough to, um, to be in the midst of it all with them. No judgment, no, no competition, no need for any of that. Yeah. yeah. And, and all that still goes on. Yeah, they're still doing what we were doing years ago, you know, (laughs) but they're still doing that because it was, it's founded on this notion of love and dignity and, and care and relationship and walking together. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh no, not at all. You have no need to be sorry because it's, I get excited. I get excited. It does. And you felt that like when the reason you and I became such bonded and close friends is because the day I met you, there was so much passion that yeah. came from you. And it was a walk together. It yeah. wasn't you standing up above everyone else and saying, this is how it's going to go. And I'm doing this to serve my ego so that I could feel better about what I'm doing. Right. It was, we're in this together from the people who are here volunteering to the people who are walking through the door to get assistance to those of us who are organizing this event, it doesn't matter. We are all on this journey together and we just all happen to be at different parts on the path. So let's help each other, guides who have walked this part of the path, help the others who haven't to see their way through so that they can get to where you are now, which will give you more to get to the next stage of your path. And that's how it was always. Every time I came to Ironton, that was how you led things. So it wasn't like it was just a one-time thing. It was consistent. It was authentic. And over the years, it was the same. And it was the same. And it only grew from there. And you had more and more charities that you created from that authentic place. Yeah. Can you talk about some of the other things, especially around kilts? Kilts, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. So... Um, this notion. So even the language that you know we use, especially Tracy and I, with um, I, my wife isn't here. I don't know why I pointed at her. She's not in the room, but that's right. But you know, I was pointing. It's at always her. beside you. Like, like, right, whatever that was, right? <laughs> um, but uh, you know, even the language we use with Earth and Cup, you know, we don't. We really don't refer as instructors and students. 
We don't talk about patrons and clients. It's just because it's not helpful language. And it does set up this dichotomy of I'm here and you're there. Um, you know, we just, we're all participants. We're all in this together. We're all participating in this moment together. So yeah, even the language we use, it has to be authentic um, to, to what we're trying to present. So yeah, so Kilt. Um, in 2011, I was uh, in, serving in Champaign County, Ohio, and I got on the American Cancer Society County Board and I was the only male. And um, so I got, oh, you get to do male-oriented cancer. <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. And I, well, what are you going to do, you know, to bring awareness? And, um, and uh, so I said, I'll, I'll do, because in October for breast cancer, they had survivors, uh, cancer survivors do a fashion show. And, and places, they got nice gowns and the ladies, um, did a fashion show. So I said, well, I'll do a fashion show. And they'll go, well, what would men fashion? And I said, well, kilts, of course. So we started what, what's known as Kilts for Cause. And it's, I, I put on um, uh, kilt fashion shows as a means of bringing awareness and advocacy to, uh, to male-oriented cancer. And uh, yeah, I put guys in kilts that have never worn kilts before. It is, Helping them get dressed is hilarious, but it, but it, but the guys are usually are, are just have a blast. So then, when I turned fifty, which was a long time ago, um, I wore I wore a kilt every day for a year. Um, coldest winter in thirty years in Ohio, and uh, I, I raised money and awareness and advocacy and action for the American Cancer Society and uh, World Hunger, which is another grassroots movement. Potluck's in World Hunger is one of my other grassroots movements. And so, um, so I wore, I literally didn't have uh, pants on for an entire year and I traveled the country. Literally, I was, I was in Boston to, I was out at Devil's Tower, Montana or wherever that is. Um, yeah. And, and then uh, raising money and speaking on it and bringing awareness uh, to hunger and cancer. And then um, when I turned 51, I have rolled that into a charitable foundation. And so I, I don't get a penny from Kilted 50 for charity. I do fundraising for other organizations, and groups and people that need an interesting fundraiser. So I come in and I do kilt fashion shows and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, and, and, and it, it's the same thing. It's about um, bringing dignity in people's lives when at times they don't feel that they have any dignity and, and, and allowing them to see that they do in the midst of that moment, that uh, we can go through cancer and, and, and still have dignity. We can, we can be people who don't know where our next meal will come from, but we can still have dignity and we can show them dignity. And um, so that's what some of that's about. Yeah. It's fun. I'd rather wear coats than pants any day. So. I have 30 of them. So it's even in the snow. You know, even you just wear you just wear heavy socks. You hey, you get kilt heavy kilt hose. I just bought two more pairs for this winter. It snowed. So yeah, it's not too bad. Kilts with wool kilts are actually fairly warm. And so they do hold heat in, actually. 
So it's not too bad. I've never worn a kilt, so we'll I'll see. take your word. We'll for have it. to have a fashion show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So if somebody was interested in getting a hold of that charity, how would they get a hold of you? Yeah. Earthandcup at gmail.com. You can send me an email if you go to the website, earthandcup.org, uh, and emails there, or uh, the email is earthandcup at gmail.com. Can get a hold of me. And yeah, or you just want to uh, learn more about using movement or, you know, hunger. How, how can you get work with hunger or poverty or, um, you know, cancer awareness or, you know, just, just to make the world a better place. And we'll, we'll find ways to connect you. Yeah. Yeah. So you had mentioned your world hunger movement, yeah. that being a grassroots movement. Yes. What is that about? I know there's potlucks in it. Right. There are potlucks in it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it came out of this, I'm a Lutheran pastor and Lutherans are big for having potlucks where everybody brings food in. And so um, a colleague of mine, um, Kim Codway, who was a seminary classmate of mine and I, were sitting around one day and said, hey, um, how can we latch on to this potluck thing and do some work and hunger for it? And so we came up with this um, potlucks to end world hunger, where when if you have a potluck, but then to remember those who may not have something to eat, um, and so have a program about how can we get involved with hunger ministries locally, regionally, nationally, globally. Um, several years ago, what 2015, 2016, we tried to have the world's set the Guinness Book World Records for world's largest potluck. And we had people come in from all over the country to do speaking. And um, yeah, but it's just remembering as we as we um, eat and enjoy food. Remember, there are people who don't know where their next meal will come from. And so just get involved in, in trying to bring an end to uh, world hunger. Yeah, one potluck at a time. Nice. So you've started a lot of different organizations that are still in motion. Still. And I know just from talking to uh, several different people who have a desire to do something like that, mm-hmm. but either time or just lack of knowing where to start, like they feel that they just don't know how to climb up that mountain. You've done this many times, so you are well-versed in being a guide up that mountain. Where would you say to even begin? Yeah, um, begin by dreaming as big as you can possibly dream. So Potlucks to End World Hunger really began with me pitching an idea to a bunch of people about having the world's largest potluck. Um, and people went, <laughs> yeah, all right, okay. But then, but to dream big and... Um, you know, it's, and then spread that dream to other people who, who might catch a flame uh, or catch a spark in that. And then you just need a few people to have a critical mass to make it happen. Um, yeah, because the truth is, each one of us, regardless of our places and stations in life, can change the world positively. Absolutely. We can make a difference. And even one person, you know, 
putting up a lemonade stand. You know, it can't. It changes the world because it's the you know ripples across the cosmos. Um, but yeah, and it's, and then it's you know you you pitch these ideas and then you you just don't give up. You keep pitching them until you find people like Amber that'll come down to the Ohio River and 120 degree, and then you know, and then she connects you or I connect you or somebody connects you with the person that takes you the next step. And it's just to keep dreaming. Um, yeah, it, it's, it, it really is dreaming big dreams. You know, I mean, the, the cliche is, you know, if you want to, you can't, if you want to clear the treetops, you have to aim for the stars, right? Well, sometimes you get to, you get to get into space when you do that. And, um, and you'll amaze yourself. You'll surprise. I'm just, you know, I'm just a guy from the middle of Farmtown, Ohio, that never knew how to do any of this, you know, and I, I still don't know how, but I surround myself with people who know how to do this. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's realizing what your gift is and then combining your gift with other people that have other gifts to make the dream come true. This is back with being with people who are different, right? We all have different gifts. So mingle with people who have other gifts and then it, it, it allows these dreams to just flourish. And then that takes you to the next dream, to the next dream and just never settle for stopping to dream, to never settling until the world is as it is supposed to have been from all the beginning of whenever. Um, we just need to keep dreaming and making it a better place. And we can, one person at a time, one potluck at a time, one kilt at a time, one Zoom call at a time, one coffee at a time. Yeah. Yeah. So not losing the vision right. is a big part of it too. Holding out hope, not losing vision, being willing to, anytime you're going to start a fire, you have to be willing to rub things <laughs> sometimes the wrong way. But right. that little bit of friction yeah. can create massive flames. You just yeah. can't take it as though it's a negative. Right. It's perspective. It's all perspective. Right. And you learn from, you know, I, we talk about success and failure. Well, the truth is, if statistics prove out, we will succeed about as many times as we fail. So we need to reframe what success and failure is about. It's not that success is good and failure is bad. Um, it's just things turned out the way we thought they would. Things didn't turn out the way, but we still gain. We still, we still learn. We still, you know, it's not about success and failure. If you're starting that fire and it goes out, well, okay, maybe I'll learn how to start the next fire a little better, right? As I audition for Survivor, I'm out there trying to start my fires, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's on my list of things to do but yeah i mean it's just about learning how to to start the next fire to get the next spark to what to add in to keep the fuel burning yeah and then to invite people uh, around the warmth of the fire or the light of it or yeah the fun of it yeah so as we're preparing to wrap up here yeah. i know it goes so fast it's like i in these changing times yeah. and it is things are different especially over the past few years where things have moved more toward an online platform 
and just the way we do business is different, whether it is a nonprofit or a for-profit. Do you have any advice for someone who is moving forward in this new territory as the last little bit? Yeah, to just um, just keep just keep plugging along and, and give it a, you know give it a try. So so you know as we two years we moved to Zoom pretty quickly when COVID hit. And, you know, well, here I am with my 80-year-old participants, push the blue, blue button, blue, blue, zoom, you know, (laughs) but they kept at it, you know, and it's just, don't, just keep trying, you know, Um, and and, and the the notion, well, I can't do that. Well, yes, we can, we can really, we can do online anything, I mean. Um, find people who are doing it. I mean, yeah, who are doing podcasts and and say, oh, you know, how can we do this? It is fairly easy or not really easy, but it's capable. And to just not give in, just keep climbing the mountain, maybe take a different direction, just keep plugging along and trying and, and it'll come. And it's all about experience. It, it really is. So, yeah. Yeah. Because you can reach, I mean, I mean, we're, I don't know how many miles apart we are, but we're having a wonderful conversation. I mean, this is, we can, I've been with people all around the world at the same time and, and, you know, 20 some different time zones. And we couldn't have done that prior. I mean, if we take anything out of these last couple of years, it's learning how connected we really all are. Yeah. Yeah. We are Baskin Robbins. (laughs) More than 31 flavors. Right. I love it. Right, right. Well, one more time for those who would like to check out Earth and Cup, how yeah. can they get a hold of you? Yeah, the website is earthandcup.org. Um, We're also on, there's a Facebook group. It's Earth and Cup. You can jump on there. You can email me at uh, earthandcup at gmail.com and I can uh, send you in different directions. There's a lot of stuff up on the website. You can check it out. Um, a lot of stuff. Uh, we, work off of Facebook. So there's a lot of stuff going up there. You can, if you're interested or have questions, just send us a message there as well. All right. And you are now located in Ohio in the U S. I am. So if anyone is in Ohio, who's listening, you're local, but you can reach out to anyone, no matter where they're located in the world, reach out to anyone, no matter where and willing to get in a car and travel too. So it's okay. Wonderful. Well, again, thank you, my friend, for sharing an hour here with me. I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you too. It's fun. It's it's good to catch up and uh, yeah, just hear how everything's going. But yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We'll have Tracy on here sometime very soon too. So folks can get to know her. Yeah, that'd be good. Good, good, good. Blessings to everybody. Thank you. Blessings to you and blessings to all of you. Thank you so much for joining us on another Heart Leader podcast where heart and mind align. I am your host, Amber, and I would also like to share my sincere gratitude to everyone at the Transformation Network for all that you do to keep our show amazing. Until next time, we look forward to seeing you in the Suivera community. You've been listening to the Heart Leader Podcast with your host, Amber, where heart and mind align. 
Tune in weekly as we take a deeper dive into what it means to be a heart leader. Ready to take the next step? Join us and over 1 million people worldwide who've united in creating this global movement of love. Become a heart leader for today and tomorrow. Learn more and connect with us at suivera.org. This episode of the Heart Leader Podcast was brought to you by Stephen Douglas. Stephen Douglas is one of the nation's leading boutique search and interim resources firms and has been recognized as a leader in identifying and providing access to top talent for clients since 1984. Whether it's a company preparing to go to the next level or a candidate looking for better opportunities, Stephen Douglas keeps the focus on the needs of the people they serve. They specialize in connecting the right talent to a company's needs while also understanding what the market demands. To learn more about this amazing organization, visit them at stephendouglas.com.